Welcome back to the Line to Game podcast. This is season three, episode 20, uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. My name is Jeremy Dixon here as always with Mike Parker. Mike, how's it going? I wonder why they added super to that. Why not stupendous or some other expletive? Super yeah. just seems trite. I don't know. That's uh, yeah. I mean, they were know. running it all the broadcast. Just call it the wild card weekend, guys. Yeah, yeah. They don't need to. I don't know. It didn't really. I know you added one team to. I guess one game to the weekend, but unnecessary. Oh, they supersized it. Hey, I'm just out out here in my backyard yelling at clouds. What? No one's listening to me anyway. All right. So, uh, yeah. Where do we, do we want to? Uh, look at our bets first or do we want to do that after we cover all the games let's just go right into the degenerate corner and kind of like call out where we ended up um i split the weekend how'd you do uh four and two four and two. Oh, awesome so you had houston right yep all right but Good i also job. had miami but the, I, ah. I I did give that caveat with that one that uh otherwise i would have been five and one that i didn't think miami would was going to win, but I just wanted to see more episodes of the hard knocks in season, which I will not get. Um, so it's kind of a double whammy, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely want to the talk Dallas, about the Dallas game is the other one I lost Miami and Dallas. <clears throat> so I think, yeah, I had Dallas. It was a really tough stretch um, for green Bay. We can have a really good con- uh, conversation about what they look like now and the path that they've gone over the, the entire season, but really great game there. So I, I scored on Kansas city, Buffalo and Tampa Bay. Um, I was up uh, $199, 22 cents on the week, really cut into my losses. So I felt pretty positive about that, but you did pretty good. It sounds like. Yeah. I didn't check what the pluses and minuses were on any of that stuff. So I don't know. I'm least... I do it for my own kind of edification thing all right cool let's talk about these games man shall we yep let's do it all right cleveland at houston um man uh i think it's important to note that this game was 24 to 14 at halftime uh houston was up but there was really no indication initially that cleveland was overpowered but um i called it uh this is what i said joe flacked out instead of blacked out through two consecutive pick sixes in this game. Uh, I mean, talk about a point swing. Houston was up by 38, 14. Um, and then it just kind of was over. It was just like garbage time after that. It, it just was a real, like, you want to talk about quicksand. They just put themselves in. They just couldn't fight their way out of it. Cleveland. So it was a weird game, but I'm happy for Houston. Yeah, me too. Uh, CJ Stroud, youngest quarterback to ever win a playoff game. Um, and it was just, Looked like they were having fun out there. You know what I mean? Uh, Houston was – Nico Collins was looking amazing. Um, I didn't really – I thought Nico Collins was a rookie until that game. And they were like, oh, it's the third-year man that didn't really do yeah. much until, uh, until C.J. Stroud showed up. I was just like, wait, what? So He's big. He's explosive. Um, he's got good hands. He's, like, winning these matchups. Uh, good yak. I mean, sometimes it just takes time to develop. Who knows? It's true, man. Had Yeah, he ended up with six catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. Um, C.J. Stroud, man, looks like the real deal right now. I mean, man, 
I saw Calm. some I, I saw some tweet the other day that was like Denver or that Seattle was like a Denver win over like San Francisco and Miami last year away from the Seahawks getting the number two pick in the draft and probably taking CJ Stroud or having the opportunity I mean, to take CJ Stroud anyway. Yeah, we probably would have got some. We probably would have taken that. Anthony Richardson or something. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I mean, we talked last week about what would have to happen in order for Houston to win this game, and that was for Flacco basically to come down to earth. Um, the Houston defense helped four sacks, uh, seven QB hits, obviously the two pick sixes we, we uh, were talking about. And then by then, it's just like they pin their ears back um, went after him. The last three possessions at Cleveland were just like, um, I bu- it was uh, all de- uh, turnover on downs. And it's, it's just like, drop like back they, and pass, drop back and pass, drop back and pass. They had to, I guess, but yeah, there's their la- It was interception for touchdown, interception for touchdown, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. So that were the last five. Um, actually, those are the complete possessions of the second quarter for Cleveland. Um, they lo- it looked ugly that second half for sure. Yeah, they were just not. Uh, it, it just yeah, really felt like it was a wrap once uh, those those two back to back pick sixes happened, and then you know yeah, I'm trying to look right now to see how many rushes they even had in the second half. It's Joe Flacco pass short right, Joe Flacco pass incomplete, Joe Flacco yeah, I don't. They literally didn't run again in the game. <laughs> Jesus, God. Sorry, there is one. Well, but, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's just... It's, by it's then, just... It was, the game was a wrap. I mean, it was 40... They, they didn't run until the score was 45 to 14, and it was just a wrap, and they are trying to run the clock out, so... It's funny when you watch the games, right? It seems close. 14-17, Houston's up. 14-24, going into halftime. And then just like the dam breaks, it's 31 to 14, 38 to 14, another touchdown. It just like, yeah, you start to lose like your composure, your momentum as a team, as a defense, when you're constantly out there, turnover on downs, we've got to hand it over. And it wasn't short turnover on downs. It was 10 play turnover on downs. It was seven play turnover, 11 plays. So it's not like it was just three and out. They were driving the ball down the field, kind of bend, don't break. But when it got into the the tight area of the, of the red zone in, in uh, Houston territory, you know, it just, they weren't, weren't the right play calls. They weren't right. There wasn't the right execution. Um, Yeah. And there it is. You're you're going home. I missed the, uh, I missed most of the third quarter, so I didn't see either of the pick sixes in uh, live, but I came back and was just like, what the hell just happened? Because, yeah, I felt like, uh, you know, Cleveland was just a, a drive or two away from uh, being right back in that. Saturday, I believe, was day one of my house cleaning project, like post-holiday house cleaning. So I was just like, I was able to watch most of this game. Um, and then most of the Miami Kansas city game, which is our next one up. Um, so I, I felt really like I finally got to sit down and just watch some football beginning to end. 
that felt really good. I felt like, okay, I can see what's going on, why this team's so good and all this other stuff. So, um, and I'm really, I'm really happy for the coaching staff for the Texans as well. Yeah. I mean, they they, they had a great year this year. They did, man. Um, It's going to be interesting to see if, um, how that offense continues to thrive if they do end up losing um, Ben Slowick, I think is his name, the offensive coordinator there, something Slowick. Yeah. And who I yeah. saw last night, I texted you when I was watching uh, Hard Knocks that the outside linebackers coach for the Dolphins last name is Slowick as well. And he looked like a young guy. Yeah, guy. I noticed that. Yeah. Must be a, must be a brother or something. Well, I mean, I'm sure the internet will tell us soon enough. They're fine. Um, and their dad, we'll up on their, I think their dad is, uh, was on that. The reason that's the reason I even know, I've even looked into Slowick is because, uh, I think John Schneider, the Seahawks GM is looking at, uh, getting an interview scheduled with him. And that apparently he worked with, uh, his dad when in green, when he was in green Bay. Mm, so sure. the dad, well, great. the dad was a, exciting. Dad was a coach of some kind too. So all right. Well, Houston is in. They are the lowest seed in the AFC playoffs right now. So they have, with that win, they have the benefit to go into uh, Baltimore. We'll talk a little bit about that matchup a little later. Uh, but at the end of the day, great game by them. Uh, great game plan. Uh, great execution. C.J. Stroud looks good. Nico Collins looked good. Even Devin Singletary, 66 yards and a touchdown. I had some really, I had some questions about their running game. Um, so they, they were able to execute there as well. So, well, and, and to do that against that Browns defense, I mean, obviously, you know, 14 of these points came off, you know, as direct result of uh pick sixes, but I mean, that's still pretty impressive even to put up what 31 points on this team. So you can't say enough about Houston's offensive line, zero sacks on CJ Stroud. He had a couple of people in his face, but not enough where he couldn't just slide over and find open receivers. I do want to call out that one great play where they had motion. Everybody was going to the right. CJ Stroud rolls out in this little mini bootleg. And then um, who was it? It was uh, Dalton Schultz does a post route wide open, just drops it right in the bucket. Um, That I just, that I saw that play real time and it was like, wow, great play design um, on a, on a good defense. So you know, good yeah. job by them. Good luck to them uh, in the next round. Yeah, it's a fun team to watch, man. I'm really enjoying um, Houston. I, I'm definitely a Baltimore. I, I I would love to see Lamar Jackson win a, win a championship Super Bowl, um, but I wouldn't mind seeing C.J. Stroud and uh, Houston keep, keep going on as well. So it's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, they're definitely not your dad's Houston Texans anymore. Um, it's, it's a new world for them. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Miami at Kansas City, the second game on Saturday night. Uh, one was postponed, obviously. the uh, There was supposed to be the uh, Pittsburgh-Buffalo game, I believe, was the early game, the 10 o'clock game on Saturday. Right. Uh, didn't end up happening because of snow issues. We'll talk about that a little later. They were moved to Monday. So Miami at Kansas City. Um, this game was more about Miami's off the, the Miami offense's inability to move the ball versus Patrick Mahomes, like overwhelming the Miami defense. Um, Kansas City only scored two touchdowns in this game. Uh, Miami held Kansas City just two for six in the red zone. I thought they played really, really well. 
Um, we've seen this in the previous couple of weeks. Just Miami was not able to score um, with the better teams in the league. It's true, man. It's it's definitely true. Uh, it was it was fun. Like I already mentioned, watching the the hard knocks in season last night, kind of take a deep dive into this game and and really see kind of what was going on. And you know, is there first of all, Mike, is there anything better than an Andy Reid icicle mustache um, in the playoffs? Uh, very few things. I know. I, I, just, I always, yeah. I always enjoy that. Um, but yeah, Ty, Tyree kills out there, uh, you know, getting warmed up and his, his wife is out there on the field talking to him. She's like, are you, you okay? Are you cold? He's like, hell yeah, I'm cold. He's like, it's, <laughs> like why don't you, why don't you have sleeves on or something? He's just like, just trying to get mindset. it, trying to get in the mode. The mindset. I got to get the mindset. Mindset. That's right. Mindset. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, it, for, you know, I, I really enjoyed watching this Miami Dolphins team all year and, yeah, I mean, they just could not get anything going in this game. And it wasn't, you know, I mean, Tua did have a pick and he was only sacked twice, but it was just like no running game. No, you know, nobody's getting open on big plays. And it seemed there was a few drops. And um, yeah, I mean, it felt like going to halftime, I felt like, you know, they're, well, they're, obviously they were still right in it, but it's just, you know, they couldn't get it done, man. It's tough. It's, it's, you know, coming from 80 degree weather to negative 30 wind chill has got to be a, an unbelievable challenge, but it's weird how these warm weather teams just cannot figure out a way to, to uh, get it right. I think it's less about the weather, honestly. I mean, it was hard turf, no question, but I think it's less about the weather and more about uh, that Kansas city defense. Um, they blitzed pretty steadily, not not at the blitz rate that you would see with the Brian Flores or Wink Martindale defense, but they had some really good situational blitzing, bringing those linebackers at Tua. Um, the first pick, perfect example of bringing the blitz right up the middle. Um, he threw to a spot. Uh, he couldn't see uh, Jalen Waddle there. Overthrew was a pick. Those are the types of things that teams have been able, good teams have been able to get in there uh, overwhelmed that offensive line, which I thought played pretty well, uh, considering. Um, but I, I think we're not giving the KC defense enough credit for causing these types of disruptions. One of the things that we saw successful with the Miami offense is running the football. They have some of the fastest players in the leg, the league. They can get to the outside. Uh, they've been running those those plays. They were successful against Baltimore in the first half. They were successful against Buffalo in the first half. Now they moved away from it at, in the second half of those games, which I still don't understand, but they were never even able to get started here. So I think we're underrating how good this Kansas City defense is and how well they played on, on Saturday. Yeah, I was impressed as well. Um, and if that's something they can keep up moving forward, they're going to be a tough out. I mean, it's going to be um... – yeah, it playing, might uh, running into uh, Buffalo this weekend is going to be interesting. I'm kind of like eyebrow up, like with that good a defense and Patrick Mahomes, is that enough to beat some of these teams? Um, Matt Patrick Mahomes looks great, the defense looks great. Rasheed um, Rice, running really good. Rasheed Rice looks great. Um, that running game when they're healthy looks good. 
I just go, those are the key components. Can any of these defenses take that away? Even Baltimore, we know they're really good against the pass, but they their one flaw is the ability to stop the run. And Kansas City kind of has the antidote for that. Be interesting to see if they get past this really severely like injured Buffalo team, especially that uh, Buffalo um, middle defense. Yeah. I think they're on their 17th linebacker at this point. Um, let's, I'm interested to see how well they hold up uh, against Kansas City. Uh, it'll be a fun game nonetheless. I think this is also a good time to have the Tua conversation. Um, is is he the quarterback that the Dolphins need? He's on his fifth-year option next year. They pick that up. He's due $23 million next year. The year after that, presumably you sign him to a 40 plus million dollar a year, multi-year, five, six, seven, eight year contract uh, commiserate with his place and, and being a starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, Mike McDaniel made a lot of points this season about like how good he was and kind of helping him up with the confidence and all that stuff. It'd be really hard to see, like have that conversation like Tua, we brought in Kirk Cousins because, you know, he can throw over the middle <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. So I just I wonder I wonder if he is the quarterback of the future. I think he's the quarterback for them next year unless some something crazy happens. So what's yeah. your take? I mean, I, I feel like. Unless he completely falls off a cliff next year. You're probably. You're going to probably look at this season and say, you know, Jalen Waddell missed X amount of games. Tyreek Hill missed Tyree X Hill amount of injured. games. Raheem Mostert Rasheed, missed a few Rasheed, games. Raheem Mostert, yeah. Um, How about the defense getting lambasted? The defense, I mean, their defense was in shambles this week, and they really touched on that in the, uh, like, they, they what, they picked up Bruce Irvin and, like, two they other linebackers. Four, four free agent defensive ends Yeah, in that game that played. That were just picked up uh, like uh, two weeks ago. Off the wire, yeah, off the waiver wire. So or off the uh, free, yeah, you know, the scrap off the couch, bro. Yeah, off the yeah. couch. What, 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 what's his name? Made a point that he just came off the couch. Um, Melvin Ingram, yeah. Melvin Ingram, yeah, yeah. And he, boy, that that fellow hasn't missed any meals. He was looking. He was looking. It was smelt. funny watching the um, the Chargers flashbacks of how svelte he looked. Yeah, it's fast and svelte. <laughs> and then he uh, just, yeah, he definitely. Not that um, I have room to talk. I was just kind of surprised. I'm like, damn, who is this? Uh, the guy, yeah, he moves better than me. D, that's for I sure. thought he was a D tackle out there, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that, I mean, I think you take all those things into account and you give him this year and see you you roll the dice. I just, I would I would expect more from him next year, and and I think if if you don't or if he, I mean, I think this next year is everything. So. You're either going to re-sign him, franchise him, or you're going to move you on. You know, that's a really good point. Let's see what next year is. You've gone 11 and 6 the last two years. Um, you're going to have a weaker NFC East next year. I think Buffalo's going to regress. I think the Jets are in shambles right now. Um, New England is rebuilding. 
There's a real opportunity for you to get out in front and win the end of the AFC East. Um, I'm not sure what their schedule is. I haven't done the math on that. We'll see how their schedule turns out. Um, man, if they if they luck out and play like the AFC South and the NFC South, I mean, this they could really, you know, be up there, right? So, you know, who it just you never know. Um, and I they mean, do who, need... who knows how much of the the fact that they fell off from you know went from potentially the two seed, even competing for the one seed there up and up until probably a month ago um to being the what what were they the six seed or five seed uh they were the five uh six seed because i think uh, cleveland was five yeah yeah okay um yeah so here's what i'll say i think to your point 2024 is the two a year you have to make a decision at that point are you still having the same problems as you get deeper into the season? Um, when he gets under pressure, like what happened? He was stayed healthy this year, so that's a plus. But like, yeah. no concussions. That was nice. No, yeah, no injuries, no concussions. So if if you're still having to deal with that next year, um, you're not finding a way to mitigate that. Then you really have to start thinking about how you find um, somebody that elevates you. Uh, this this Shanahan system, it's it's a really good system for bringing in quarterbacks and and, and raising their ceiling. Um, so and when you find an elite quarterback to get into that uh, position, you know Matt Stafford, uh, players like that, you can have potential for Super Bowl. I don't think two is on the Matt Stafford level. Uh, I don't think he has the command of the offense that Matt Stafford, uh, Matt Stafford does. So I think they might need to, I think I'd put Tua in the Jared Goff area of, of tears. And I have some tears where you had a, to, to kind of explain my take on the que- Jeremy's question of the week. So we can talk about that a little later, I guess. Yeah. All right. Anything else about Miami Casey you wanted to mention? No, no, just, uh, you know, I was I was impressed by Kansas City for sure. I'm I'm anxious to to see this Buffalo Kansas City game this weekend. So I wanted to just call out Patrick Mahomes here real quick. Fifty six percent on forty one attempts. So a lot of a lot of passes. Uh, not really efficient per se. It was a cold day as you mentioned. Uh, fourth coldest in history at, at kickoff. Two hundred and sixty two yards and a touchdown. I think the thing that really stood out for me is he ran for forty one yards on two attempts. That's that's two moments where he ran like explosive 20 yard plays um, to keep those drives alive. Um, and then that last scoring drive, there was a couple of, uh, I think, roughing the passer penalties uh, by Miami that kept them, kept that in play. But, um, you know, it's so important to contain quarterbacks. Uh, Josh, we saw Josh uh, destroy Pittsburgh uh, this weekend because of that. You got to contain these guys. But you know, good job by him just seeing those gaps and, and finding ways to, to move the ball down the field to keep drives alive. So good job by him yeah. uh, despite his uh, rough passing day. Uh, I, I agree, man. He uh, All right. kept a minute. My favorite game of the, of the weekend, um, it made me smile ear to ear. I'm still smiling, honestly. Uh, Green Bay at Dallas. Definitely this, this my favorite. America, this was America's game of the week. Yeah. Dallas is the only team that I have like a visceral reaction to. Like I do not like a, like a little, like 
like I want to throw up. Um, this final score was not indicative of the ass whooping Green Bay gave Dallas. Uh, they're up 48 16, and then it, they started to play really conservative Green Bay on offense and defense and kind of let Dallas kind of get into it. They, they at one point put the backup quarterback in, but like Dak got, got him down for a touchdown. They're like, Ugh, maybe we should, <laughs> maybe we should put uh, uh, Love back in and just kind of to game manage this a little bit better. So, Interesting yeah. game, and I love the outcome. Uh, yeah, I could not agree more. Um, watching, like, I mean, Dak Prescott put up some numbers, but he threw the ball 60 freaking times, man. Um, Insane. That Yeah, you know, Tony Pollard couldn't get anything out. It was just beautiful. I mean, seeing that, I was worried. I think they missed the uh, – didn't Green Bay miss every time somebody misses an extra point in the playoffs? I'm just like, God damn it, that's going to come back to haunt them. And then, yeah, on their fourth touchdown, they missed the extra point. So it's 27 right. versus 28. Yeah. And so then, and then Dallas comes down and scores, or, or, yeah, I can't, or did maybe Dallas scored before they scored their fourth touchdown? I can't remember now, but it made me, no, Dallas was the last score of the first half. So, um, with no time left on the clock. Oh yeah. They went for it when they probably should have kicked it with no time left on the clock. So, um, yeah, I was just like, damn, man, that, like that just scared the shit out of me when they, when they did that. And then I think they got the ball to start the second quarter or the second half. And I was like, man, if they just go drive down and then nope, boom, uh, they got a field goal on their opening yeah, drive. Dallas gets a field goal there. And then from there, it's just touchdown. I guess they exchange touchdowns and then just touchdown, touchdown Green Bay. And game is a wrap, man. Yeah, they got up to uh, 48 to 16 um, and kind of like sat it down after that. So Aaron Jones had three touchdowns. You know, I had I had picked Green Bay uh, to win the NFC or yeah, the NFC North and come in second in, in the standings uh, for the playoffs. Um, obviously, they didn't win the North. That was Detroit this year. But um, the one thing I didn't really kind of think about was this team is super young. Um, their tight ends and receivers are all first or second year players. So we, I didn't account for the maturation that was required in order for them to start to see success. They had a lot of drops early on. They weren't in the right place. You remember that uh, Atlanta game where Jordan Love was trying to like bring them back and throwing to spots where these guys needed to be. And it just looked like he was just throwing it out in the middle of the field. Yeah. Well, now we can look back and go, the receiver wasn't in the right spot. And you could tell that Matt LaFleur was out there just wanting to pull his uh, finely combed hair out um, and just because he was so frustrated, like you're supposed to be there. Where are you? And, and just being able to kind of hold that in and start to teach these guys how to play, actually coach them. And just to see that benefit, like 10 weeks later, six weeks later, a uh, month later, just watching them mature in front of our eyes, go out and make huge plays I mean that pass over the middle with a dude in his face um, for the for the touchdown. Jordan, just Jordan, with Jordan, just Jordan Love and um, who was it? The other guy, um, uh, Wicks, Dontavian Wicks. That uh, that not the post route, the seam route. Just just insane. 
just knowing where to be all of a sudden. And it just makes such a difference. Um, I think I saw that this was the biggest home loss by the Cowboys in the playoffs since like 1940 or something like that. Well, they were not in the league until 1960. Okay. Maybe it was just the largest home upset in, or something, it was something like that since 1940 from the, the Washington football team beat somebody in 1940 by on the road by a ton and uh it's like the biggest home upset or something i heard somebody say i just unfortunately well, this is only a 16 this down. is only a 16 game loss i know that's why i was 16 point too. loss rather that's right. why i was surprised too i don't know maybe no, it was like they that. were like 10 i mean maybe it was just like how big of an underdog green bay was or something i'm not sure <laughs> i'll look it up and uh run it back next time <laughs> So one of the weird things about this game is how off Dak was. So I think Dak's year can be explained by a couple of things. One, uh, he had such a connection with C.D. Lamb that they both had uh, two of their – they each had their best season uh, in the NFL collectively. Um, We saw less mistakes route running from Michael Gallup. Jake Ferguson was a good uh, target for him. Um, so there was some things that fell in his favor, but this game first half, especially just seemed off. You mentioned he threw 60 times. That's a lot, especially when you run 25 times, it's, it's basically you're off the field. You know, the defense is off the field really quick. If you don't, aren't able to, to move the ball at all. Um, it's just, it's just a weird way to operate. I don't know why. McCarthy insists on changing these formulas up at the precise moment where you shouldn't be doing that. And I don't know if it's just, Oh, we can't run. They're too good. We have to start throwing or we're down by 20. We have to start throwing. If that's just like a panic mentality, because if I'm down 21 points in the first quarter, you still have quite a bit of game time to run your game plan. You have to run with a little more urgency, but you don't have to completely abandon the run. Um, right. They got rid of they got rid of Ezekiel Elliott because they thought, oh, Tony Pollard can hand, handle this. I mean, that's enough. obviously a bad decision. Not big enough, man. I don't think with, with that offensive line. I totally. I mean, it's 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 playing itself out your opinion there so i mean i'm not sure you know i think you're right it's just he's not the guy for that i saw rumors today on uh on twitter just people throwing out that maybe derrick henry fits in nicely uh in dallas with as a nice one-two punch with tony pollard next season well i mean tony pollard's just coming in i mean he barely got a thousand yards rushing this year tony pollard um yeah, I mean, I would start Eric Henry over, over Tony Pollard for sure. Yeah, who knows? I mean, that's all just speculation at this point. But it seems like the decisions that they make, the people that they bring in, just there's there's always, like, it's not quite the right one. It's like, I don't know, bootleg version of a, of a running back, a bootleg version of a quarterback or, you know, offensive coordinator. Um, the defense was really off this week. I think... Dan Quinn's offense, uh, defense, 
Um, he's the defensive coordinator. Um, it was figured out by Kyle Shanahan back in the early teens, right? Um, and all that he keeps running that same thing. And like these Shanahanites, like Matt LaFleur and um, Mike McDaniel, who's the kid over um, with the Rams? McVay. McVay. These guys destroy his defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we hired the only one, Shane Waldron, that, that can't. Apparently. I guess, actually, we played pretty well against Dallas, too. We just lost at the end, but anyway. And I just wonder, like, they're, they got good pressure. They got good – like, with the with teams that aren't as good or that don't know how to game plan against that, aren't running a particular system – Unfortunately, Dan Quinn, you are you are bad against one of the most popular offenses, this high motion offense that we see in the league right now. It's the most popular offense out there and you can't stop it. And I think that showing affected his ability to get a head coaching job this year. Um, it was really we'll ugly. I heard that six teams have already I mean, including the Seahawks have already requested interviews, but maybe they're just going to do their due diligence and see what he has to say. Well, I don't want him. I don't want him I don't either. to run that same defense for us um, because we have to play a lot of these guys, right? Twice a year. And they're just, I don't want to sit here and just get hammered by them. No, I'll take a pass on that for sure. <laughs> All right. Let's have the Jordan Love conversation. Again, we talked about growth. Man, he looks sharp, right? Throwing from different arm angles, off back foot, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, probably get a little bit better with firing that down. But who can argue with what he's doing right now? Uh, he looks great out there. Yeah, and he has three touchdowns for, and, you know, s- spreads the ball around a bit. But, like, Romeo Dobbs is really coming into his own as well. With it. It seems 151 like in a tutty. Yeah, it seems like these two are really growing together. You know, that Don T- Tavian Wicks. Um, the guy just, he doesn't get a lot of catches, but he just finds the end zone, you know? And, and how about Aaron freaking Jones, man? One eighteen and and three touchdowns. Like he was, he's, he's playing inspired football right now. And, you know, coming off some, yeah, we talked about him. Yeah. We talked about him last week being the most important piece of that offense outside of Jordan Love. Of course, um, he really is the, the thing that, you have to focus on him when he's out there. And it just, I think it opens up the field uh, for all the other things that Matt LaFleur wants to do with that offense. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I think Jordan love, I mean, yeah, I saw everybody on, on social media, like, God damn it. Are we about to see the Packers get another hall of fame quarterback back to back to back? Uh, it's not fair, you know, but. Yeah. I always like to let, let's put two, three years together. It's really hard to put uh, a decade of good football together. Uh, as we all know, average lifespan in the NFL is about three years. So I always try, like, okay, cool. He had a great season. Let's see what happens next year. Like when teams adapt and when teams try to find ways to, like, like kill him. I mean, there's different ways that they have to, right. you have to, you have to, you have to react. We saw that with CJ this year, right? 
he came out of the gates looking great. Team started to adjust. Then he adjusted to their adjustments. And there was that middle of the of the of the season this year. We kind of like his numbers plummeted and his efficiency plummeted, but he figured it out. That's what I want to see with Love. We saw that this year with Love. Um, so it's just a matter of taking what he's learned and building upon that, you know, as he moves forward. Apparently, Matt LaFleur is a good coach or at least a good teacher because he has this team that didn't look very good, you know, maybe eight, 10 weeks ago to now having to go into the divisional round and play the 49ers. And I know there's some people out there going, well, maybe, maybe. Yeah, we don't know about this Brock Purdy guy. We'll see. But, you know, True. they're probably underdogs, but. Actually, I think I have them in here as uh, I might know what the spread was. They are minus nine and a half, San Francisco minus nine and a half. It's quite a bit, but we'll see. I would love to see the Packers. I mean, I would probably take the Packers and the points in that if we're if we weren't just betting money line. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're uh, it seems like they're playing good football at the right time. Which is always we can have, we can have that discussion because I I have some bets and we can talk about why you know what we think about like the matchups coming up a little bit later. I, I, I also some... heard Dallas. Um, I mean, sorry, Dallas losing this game basically won. It, I saw a tweet saying that uh, sports books had a good month on Saturday because of the Cowboys game. So like a lot of money going to the Cowboys. Month, yeah, everybody had uh, the Cowboys on the money line, tied in teasers, or tied in parlays. Like, they was everywhere apparently. So uh, a lot. I of actually people... had as a, as a sure thing this week. I, I bet a little bit more on that game. I you know I bet the money line at Dallas, and obviously I lost. But um, I was that was kind of one of my locks. That and the the Rams. I lost both of those. I lost both my locks. Just, just tells you how much I know. But. Right. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, now was uh, watch out. Clooney might try to like rob the casino when Dallas plays. Could be, man. Um, yeah, so just just what a great and, and the the Twitter memes about uh, Jerry Jones and being a racist after this game were fantastic. Oh, I just I pummeled you with those things. I thought they were so funny. Oh man. Yeah. It's more like reiterating Jerry Jones is a racist. I saw saw I saw one that I don't even know. Like Jerry Jones hasn't been this upset since the Civil Rights Act passed or something. There were just some fantastic ones, man. It was very It's funny. really good. There really was, good. It was very funny. All right. I also saw one that said uh Love hasn't destroyed Cowboys this bad since broke back the mountain or something I, there were just people were on fire man roasting the cowboys oh, on uh, my goodness on sunday or on saturday it was fantastic so there's some funny people out there in a vacuum i'll tell you yeah. <clears throat> all, right. all right next game uh on sunday was the rams at detroit um ben johnson had this detroit offense humming in the first half scored 21 points um that did not extend to the second half. Unfortunately, there were some adjustments made by the, the LA Rams. Detroit's offense in the second half uh, went field goal, punt, punt, end of game on their last four possessions. Didn't look really good, but they were able to hang in there. 
Um, one of their mottos this year was grit. And I think they showed that this weekend. A one point a one point win is still a win. It's in the playoffs. It's a huge, it's a huge game. It's their first in like 20, so it's like 1991 or something like that, right? So it's a huge game for them. I'm a little worried that where they were acting like it was their Super Bowl. Um, although I didn't see any cigars being smoked, so maybe that's a good thing. Um I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I would have expect, expected them to score more than three points in the second half against that kind of no-name defense of the Rams, but um, was actually surprised by the Detroit defense. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rams offense was pretty – I mean, they just couldn't get in the end zone. That's the only problem. Right. I mean, they, they got the uh, the two touchdowns there in the second quarter, one to Puka Nakua and one to Tutu Atwell. But Matt Stafford was slinging it all over the yard, got concussed and not uh, didn't get pulled out of the game. Didn't. And they, it was pretty. I, 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 I showed I told I told Angie to look up when they did the replay and he was like looking up like he was staring was. into like at, he was like staring at death himself or herself yeah it was it was wild man um i'm not ready yet yeah the fact they let him back in the game was crazy but uh yeah and then i just think this this rams this young rams offense other out, outside of matt stafford is fun to watch um puka yeah. nakua again matt, what do you mean seven. outside of matt stafford you mean no i'm including I, matt stafford? yeah i say i'm saying young outside of matt stafford oh gotcha he's the only one that's not the people enough. around matt stafford are fun to watch no, all of them are fun to watch. I'm saying it's a young, fun offense outside of Matt Stafford. Being, sorry. Matt Stafford's the only old person on the offense is what I meant to say. Okay. <laughs> Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams. Uh, they're just, yeah, I like them. They're, uh, they're fun. And it would have been fun if they, you know, I'm glad Detroit won. It was cool to see, you know, Barry Sanders and Eminem and Calvin Johnson and all these guys on the, down on the sidelines. Uh you know, rooting them on. I saw uh, Eminem made a made a a plea to Matt Stafford to please lose this game uh, before before it started. Talking about how how much he supported him when he went to the Rams and he went to the Super Bowl that he won. And he's like, "I rapped for you, I rapped for you, man. Please just lose this game." But uh, yeah, it, it, it was nice for the Detroit fans. They showed an old guy in the in the stands that. I've been a season ticket holder for 60 some years and uh, I was just, it was fun to, fun to see, man. I think this game ultimately came down to um, the Rams not having enough offensive firepower. Um, Puka Nakua was amazing. I mean, I think he's, he's creating a legend around himself, 181 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he took some shots. He stayed in there. Um, tough kid. Great catches, un- catching under duress, um, breaking tackles, really great game. Unfortunately, there just wasn't a lot of that around with any of the other players. Um, I Cooper Cup looked injured. That whole arm shoulder thing, it, he looked like he was a burn victim the way they had him wrapped up. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, hopefully he can get healthy for next season. I think if you have both Cooper and Puka Nakua, healthy and then you've got uh, Demarcus Robinson and Tutu Atwell kind of supplementing that I think it's a that's a powerful offense um when you add in Kyron Williams so I think they're gonna be okay moving forward 
just they weren't on their their best performance this game and i think you kind of needed it yeah no i think i couldn't agree more but yeah i think uh i think america breathed the breathed a sigh of relief seeing dallas go down or i'm sorry man i'm still caught up on that one but uh i i think they breathed a sigh of relief seeing detroit finally get that uh that long-awaited home uh playoff win so good to see man i'm glad they they're moving on they're a pretty likable team to be honest um the coach is a little fun he's uh you know, i like his aggressiveness and some of the, the the decisions that he makes he went into that game the end of that game with all his timeouts so he's i mean he's not really messing things up too much I really wonder what happened um, in that second half with their offensive explosiveness. Um, it was, I'm a little concerned about that. Um, so they're playing, they're playing Tampa. So maybe they can overcome some of that, but they have to find an offensive identity. Um, it is that run game in my opinion. Um, they're very strong with that offensive line in that run game. They have a lot of weapons there. They have a lot of weapons downfield. The thing that you need to do is keep golf clean. They put a lot of the, the Rams had a lot of pressure on him. They were blitzing him a ton in that second half and he just would bail on throws. And that scares me as things get a little tight in these Super Bowls and these deep playoff runs. Yeah, I mean, if you told me that that Detroit loses to Tampa Bay this weekend, I'm not gonna be like, I wouldn't be shocked. You know what I mean? I think I'd be shocked. I think I'd be shocked if they didn't beat that team. I would. I I think offensively and defensively, I think Tampa's really old, man. I mean, they just don't have the speed, and I I think they should be able to beat this team. by, I mean, they beat him by a couple of touchdowns earlier this season. I expect kind of that as well. And I'd be pretty shocked if they couldn't beat Tampa Bay, uh, despite how good Baker Mayfield thinks he is. I would, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I, I don't think I would be completely shocked. But, um, you know, just to some of the points that you mentioned, just how football, playoff football is different. And um, there are some of those, you know, Tampa Bay's, an older team, but they do have a, a few, quite a few guys on that team that were on that Super Bowl team a couple years ago. So they know what it takes. I will say I would. I will say I was more shocked by Green Bay over Dallas than I think I would be Tampa. Uh, Tampa Bay over Detroit. I'll just put it in that if if Green Bay at Dallas is kind of like the the top of that, <laughs> I think we're just below with that with that game. Right. All right. All right, anything else with uh, Rams-Detroit? Any other call-outs? No. All right, let's hit uh, Monday games. Uh, the first one, uh, this one was moved to Monday. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Um, Pittsburgh looked lifeless, like they didn't really want to be there. Um, we talked about Buffalo earlier this season not being afraid to take on anyone, any team, anywhere. Um, you definitely felt that out there. Um on Monday, the confidence they have. Um, Pittsburgh had none of that on, on Monday. No. It's like, okay, we got to the playoffs. That's that. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, they did 
when I looked up and it was, you know, I kind of was in and out on this game a little bit. Uh, but I did look up in the fourth quarter there um, after Calvin Austin scored the touchdown from Mason Rudolph. And I'm like, holy shit, this is, game is 24-17. Like, what is going on here? Is it, are, you know, is Pittsburgh coming back? But um, That's the way I felt as well, yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And then, then Buffalo obviously tacks on the touchdown at the end to kind of make it, you know, look like a, a big win. And, and it was. I mean, you know, it's freezing cold there. The whole, like, uh, the everything surrounding this game was so crazy with, you know, people out there shoveling snow and they're, they, you know, they're showing the, they, they have like basically like these big, almost looks like a slide coming down from the top of the stadium down the, uh, the aisleways. And, you know, these Buffalo nut job fans are taking their shirts off and sliding down it as they're shoveling snow out of the, out of the, why? Uh, they have a new stadium. They haven't even started. They haven't broke ground with this yet, right? Mm-hmm. They have a design of a stadium that's open air. Yeah. And this is going to be two straight games. Two straight. That is quite. Huh? Oh, nothing. Go ahead. This is going to be two straight games this last, this Monday and then next week where we're not sure if they can actually play in Buffalo stadium because of the snow that's supposed to be coming. And I wonder why we continue to, why we're not putting a dome, why somebody hasn't pulled those plans and just said, we're going to put a top on this. Yeah. What do we have to do to get that done and get the permits for it? It would make sense. And last year as well, they, cause they were talking about having to move this game from, from Buffalo to Cleveland, I believe. And, uh, I think they had to do something similar last year as well. So, yeah, um, they moved the game to Detroit. Yeah, that's right. And so it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, some of these these uh, cities right on on the Great Lakes, there, you know, they they get this time of year is not fun to live there. I wouldn't imagine weather wise. So, in particular, it's the Erie, uh, the teams that are on Lake Erie. So this is the first time in NFL history that all teams, all three teams on Lake Erie were in the playoffs at the uh, same time. So that was uh, Buffalo Bills, Cleveland Browns, and Detroit Lions are the three teams that that are uh, that border up on uh, Lake Erie. So interesting time for that region, I guess. Absolutely. But, yeah, this – I mean, this uh, this one, you know, they get up – Buffalo gets up 21 nothing. Um, You know, they go, to, they go to halftime 21-7, and it just feels like the game is over. Um. That's why I kind of was in and out on it the the whole second half, and and then looked up, and all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter, and Pittsburgh's only down by seven. Yeah, I saw I saw it was like twenty four seventeen, and then and then it just they scored like the Bills came back and scored another touchdown immediately, and I'm like, okay, this is there's not enough time left for them to really come back. Um, I think Pittsburgh's got some decisions to make, see what kind of team that they want to be offensively. Um, I don't think they played a lot of really complimentary football this season. The defense is fantastic. It was good enough to get them in the playoffs. But like once you get here and you're playing the top, you know, seven teams or six other teams in your in your conference, you really got to bring a different level. You have to be able to elevate in these moments um, in order to be successful. And I, I just don't think Pittsburgh was able to elevate this year. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's tough to – I mean, with your third-string quarterback going into into Buffalo, a very hostile environment. Well, arguably, he should have been always the second-string quarterback. Yeah, very true, very true. Mitch Trubisky, not, they wasted about three games with him. Yeah, I, won't, I will not disagree with you on that. But, um, yeah, I mean – I feel like Pittsburgh, like their their running game, that one two punch they have, is a good a good group. They have their receivers. I feel like how they have a good group. It's just getting that quarterback position right. I think their receivers are good, but immature. Um, I think their running game is good, but I think Najee Harris in particular is not really explosive. It requires a lot of holes. Um, I think he has strength and power, but uh, you need to have a combination of things. I think every single one of theirs, their, um, their, uh, the players on offense, their skill players have a fault that needs to be corrected somehow. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like the it's, right a, it's up to them to figure out how to, how to manage their roster, I guess. And I'll tell you this, there's a lot of talk about Mike Tomlin like it's he's it's the last year of his contract or something like that. No one's really it's kind of up in the air. I would say hold on to the guy. I mean, obviously, he elevates really kind of mediocre players and got a mediocre team into the playoffs, you know, just through grit and like bubble gum and duct tape and everything that you needed to do. And if you can get a coach that's in there to elevate teams at each level. So you take a mediocre team and turn them into a wild card team. You take a wild card team and you turn them into a division winner. Take a division winner, you turn them into the number one seed and Super Bowl champion. Those are that's how those are the coaches you need to hold on to. So I hope Pittsburgh ownership is listening to this. Mike Tomlin should be on be the coach of that team. He's elevated you every single year. They everyone talked about him getting at least a 500 every year. That's not because they're mediocre and he's a mediocre coach. It's because he's elevating bad roster construction. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I hold on he, to a guy like that. I believe they announced today that he's coming back. So um, I believe he announced it, but I mean, have we official I think, word I from think he's under contract through next year? Okay. So yeah, okay. I think he's, I think Good. I, I don't, they, I want to see him with Pittsburgh as much yeah. as I don't, you know, Personally, man, I hope he leaves and comes to see. I would love to see. I mean, he's going to have another job opportunity in about five seconds after he quits. Or I suppose that's how you know, right? If you let, if you fire a guy and then he gets immediately picked up, like right. there's like seven teams clamoring to get him. You just go, oh, I made a mistake. Yeah, I think I think people would throw the kitchen sink at at Mike Tomlin to get him to a number. Just for his press press conferences alone. Yeah, I love his press conferences. Oh, me too. Right. And then the lady asked there, the one of the, the female reporter asked if he was uh, what what his coaching future was, and he just walked off. I was uh, everybody was like, "Oh, is he gonna leave?" And so it was a lot of speculation. But yeah, well, after you take a loss like that, you know his team under he knows his team underperformed and didn't do what they needed to do. Now I have to discuss stuff that's not related to this game. I personally thought. As soon as I heard TJ Watt wasn't playing, I said, there's no way. They're not going to be able to do it. He's so important to the team, but they usually have quite a bit of depth. I think the biggest thing that failed them this in this game was their secondary. Their secondary had trouble tackling. They weren't covering particularly well. Um, 
you know, Josh goes for 203, but three touchdowns and had a rushing touchdown as well. 74 yards and a rushing touchdown for Josh Allen. He wasn't YOLO Josh Allen. He was just yo, which is the Josh Allen you want to see. Okay, I like so, that. I like that. What, yo, Josh what Allen. You, so I think we both agree that uh, Kenny Pickett is not the answer for Pittsburgh at the quarterback position. Yeah, I agree. I think I really think this might be the landing spot for Russell Wilson. But we'll see. They should they should trade for Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Yeah, well that that's big the arm, thing we were big talking arm guy about. to get Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say big arm, get the ball downfield to that secondary. Yeah. He's he's a threat to run, which is kind of right up their alley. Just grind, grind, grind. He immediately improves that running game. He immediately forces a seven-man front, um, and they can start working deeper down the field. They have a great defense to support him. Um, when he does make those fumbles and turnovers, which he's prone to do, um, I think it's a marriage made in heaven. Um, yeah, I would go with it. Yeah, I agree. I did send you that uh... – there's a, a I don't know if it was just a rumor or an actual report that Atlanta would be willing to part with their number eight pick in the draft to uh Chicago for Justin Fields. And if you want that, like that's uh, if I'm Chicago, I'm doing that every yeah. Day. It was, I think it's you did send that to me. It was they would get the first, eighth, and ninth pick, uh, the Bears in the draft. It would be an absolute domination. And uh, honestly, if you can't improve four or five games um with those picks top 10 picks yeah you just might as well i mean i think the bears and the cardinals are the oldest teams in the nfl you might want to just like pack up your franchise and you know sell it to the cfl or something there you go all right philly at tampa bay this is probably the worst game of the the slate this weekend real quick can i just say all these games were terrible except for the Ram. I mean, not none of them were close, at least, except for the Rams-Lions games. It was just blowout after blowout. Well, blowouts, yes, but I wouldn't call them terrible. I mean, I don't know if you can associate terrible with because it's close. Because sometimes it's close because it's just shitty football. That's- that doesn't make it a good game. No, I mean, um, yeah, I, and I I enjoyed watching the Eagles get blown out. I did enjoy watching the Cowboys get blown out. So, I mean, I guess they weren't terrible games, but even that Browns game, as we discussed, it was close going into the, the second half, half. and the and then it was just like, oh, like boom, boom, you're like you're done, and it was that fast. But up to that point, these teams were grinding it out. So, I yeah, guess once it, it gets true. to, that's true. Yeah, it's all about perspective, my man. Mm-hmm. All right. Philly, Tampa at Tampa. This game was really about two things. The horribly, horrible tackling of the Philly defense and Baker Mayfield. That's wow. pretty much that that's that's what happened with this game. So um let's discuss those two things. Yeah. I mean, Philadelphia, they just they look like they I mean on defense, they look like they didn't want to be there. They, I agree. They, they didn't tackle. Like some of the touchdown, the David Moore touchdown pass, the 44 yard David Moore touchdown pass. I think he broke like six tackles. Uh, the Trey Palmer 56 yard touchdown pass. I think he broke like seven tackles. And then Chris yep. Godwin 
Um, I think he just hit hit him in the end zone with that one. But um, the running it was one of those where he was running one direction, realized that um, May Mayfield had floated it a little bit to his left and kind of adjusted. Right. Um, but yeah, a good a good safety understanding where the ball was and what's going on maybe makes that play. Yeah, it just it was. It, it was the worst I've seen a defense play in a long time. And I, you know, where do you stand? I, I know a lot of Eagles fans have been online and, um, and even some talking heads at ESPN saying that, you know, is, is this Sirianni is Sirianni done? Cause Jeffrey Lurie, the, the Eagles owner obviously has got a quick, quick, uh, hook for a lot of these head coaches. Um, where do you stand on that as a as an owner of property on Eagles Island? I think it appears that Sirianni's kryptonite is the lack of adjustment. And we saw that last year in the Super Bowl. Um, when things are going a negative in a negative direction, whether that's in-game or whether that's um week to week, there's very little adjustment as to how they're gonna play. So they did not adjust over this like five or six game losing streak to improve or cover up some of their, their uh, shortcomings on defense. And they just, we're going to, we're going to play the same thing. They even reduced their rotation on their defensive line to really three or four guys. They had Hassan Reddick, they had Cox, Fletcher Cox and uh, Graham. That was pretty much their defensive line rotation. They brought a couple guys in and out, but all of those, those Georgia guys were not on the field in this game for the most part. And you just begin to wonder like, how are we making adjustments? How are we getting Jordan Davis in shape? Like, how are we figuring that piece out? So I wonder if his lack of ability to adjust, um, the people that he lost last year, um, his his offensive and defensive coordinator left to go get other jobs. Like, what did that mean to like the next man up? Was he able to kind of teach his coaches to then go out and teach the players? Like, what what are they looking for? What is their program supposed to look like? What adjustments are they supposed to make? Um, if their game plan comes out that's the one thing that was great about them last year is their ability to adapt the game plan to the team specifically cater it to the other team's weakness and execute on that. They were not able to do that this year for some reason. And I think their defense is just a glaring, glaring black hole of sadness. I like the, uh, the analogy there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I think I like I was trying to put myself in this. Like if Nick Sirianni got fired, would I want him to be coaching the Seahawks? And I feel like, yeah, probably. No, no, not at all. No. Okay. All right. And for all the reasons that I mentioned, I, I like somebody that's able to adapt. Right. And I don't, I agree there you. isn't a lot of adaptation happening game to game. You change a couple of things, you start blitzing, you move, a, you move a safety over, you stop playing, you know, single high or whatever it is that you do. You try to like move some guys around, you know, to, to help take care of the guy that's beating you on the offensive side, for example, but the inability 
to really be able to do that game to game over the course of, let's say, a quarter of the season, he hasn't been able to adjust to be successful. And to me, that's a huge glaring problem. Yeah, I no, I agree. What are you? So are you in favor of firing him from Philadelphia then, or you think you just run it back? I'll say this: if they run it back, fine. They have to figure something out. We'll see. And if they fire him, I go, okay, I understand that too. I mean, I'm not leaning either way. I think there's so many problems to this team right now that I I can't be explained away by a couple of coaches. So that's where I just go, who better are you going to get right now? Why go through another like regime change? It's, it's about the players that you brought in. Howie Roseman has brought in some like mercenary players for a year Fired all these uh, like Shaq Leonard. They have like twenty free unrestricted free agents uh, because of the way that they manage it. They just don't have the depth. They they have old guys right now filling gaps, um, and not really. Basically, the old guys they brought in to fill the gaps didn't fill the gaps like they wanted them to. Shaq Leonard was supposed to help in the middle of the defense making tackles. That guy couldn't tackle you know, a pillow in his living room, apparently. And I just like, that's, that's the, the misses. Now I go, okay, cool. He was taking shots. He knew what he had a problem and he did what he had to do. And he looked at what was out in the, out in the world. And he tried to get the best team put together. But once they're in, it's up to Sirianni and those coaches to get them in the right place, to teach them up, to like figure out that they're on their P's and Q's. And I just don't see that that's what happened is on defense. And I thought, they were a bit discombobulated offensively. Um, uh, Hertz was off for the second half of the season. Didn't seem like even his deep balls weren't like they were kind of like thrown up willy nilly. Uh, he didn't really appear to be really acting with a lot of um, urgency. Right. He's like, ah, I Mr. I Mr. Like even keel right now uh, you know, nothing bothers me. And I just, sometimes I want to see like, all right, let's go do this. Let's, you know, let's, have some urgency. Let's move. Let's like pump a fist or two. I mean, this is an emotional game and it requires some of that at times. They caught Dallas Goddard on the sidelines calling Jalen Hurts a bitch at some point on during the game. That was kind of, somebody kind of pulled him away. I wasn't sure who it was, one of the receivers, but um, yeah, they were, it was definitely an implosion. I saw the moment and he didn't, he didn't even, he didn't even budge. And no. I just go, like, that would irritate me. Somebody said that to me. And I'd have something to say. Can you work it out? I'm not saying, like, go to blows or anything, but you got to work it out. Yeah. And, and honestly, if, 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 if it is what it is, you go, you're man, take an internal, um, like, look at yourself and figure out where you're mentally at. And if, if is he right? Do I need to step it up? Am I doing what I need to do for this team? And if not, you got to get yourself there somehow. All right. Well, let's I think it's. Talk about... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll just move say, on. Let's talk about uh, Baker Mayfield and uh, get on. Yeah. The divisional round. All right. All right. So we did talk about Philly. Let's talk about Baker and his future um, with the Bucks. Um, best best quarterback in the NFC South this year. Not saying a whole lot, but um, he's at he's actually playing statistically and otherwise this year as a top 10 quarterback. Would you agree with that? I would. So he's on a bit of a discount 
Um, a big decision for Tampa to make next year. Do they bring him on? Um, give him an extended contract in the in the twenty million dollars a year uh, space, or do you try to hit the open market and and or draft Bo Nix perhaps and just kind of like, all right, thanks Baker, you did a great job for us. Uh, what's your take on and your level of confidence on on Baker Mayfield? You know. So my issue, so he's only 28 years old. Okay. Is what, like, I'm, you know, making like, uh, you know, the positive side of my checklist, the negative side of my checklist. He's not very big. I mean, he's big enough. 6'2", six six right? 6'1". One, one. Okay. Um, he shares a brother a birthday with my brother. I, I just I clicked on his. Is that a pro or a con? I don't. I'm not sure. It's kind of in between. Okay. Um, no, but uh, you know, I I feel like, am I paying him like a top ten quarterback? No, I would not feel comfortable paying him like a top ten quarterback. I think if you could get him on a multi year deal, paying him fifteen million dollars a year, twenty like a Geno Smith type deal, I'm probably in. But you, does he take a Geno Smith deal? That's what I don't know. I mean, you're a former, you're the former first overall pick. There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks out there. I mean, I, I guess Tampa can, can, I mean, cause he did bet on it. He just bet on himself this year and said, I'm going to show you what I can do. And he did it. And I have to imagine he's expecting to get more than a Geno Smith type deal. But if I'm Tampa, I don't know that I'm going going there with him. Um, can get out of his deal after the second year, which is where we're at right now. So Geno Smith is making base salary of about, let's say, 15 will round up million a year. So you're okay with that? Um, he signed a two-year contract uh, for 24. So 20, this year was 1.2. His next two years, 24-25, or 12.7 and 14.8 for Geno Smith. So is that is that where you're okay with? Uh, maybe, maybe something with it. I, I would maybe be okay with going a little further with him. Just a little it, bit, not much. What's your cap? 20? I'm not going over 20 for Baker. Not over 20. Okay. How about you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as far as NFL quarterback salaries go, I mean, it's a drop in the bucket. I think it's more about what the base salary is, how you can stretch that out over the course of the contract and how easy is it to get out of the contract and not have any like cap hits um so that that's the piece that becomes a little bit more challenging you don't want to hamstring your team by overpaying uh a mediocre quarterback you don't want to sign them to like five years or six years and no, I 20 need million dollars a year yeah i need to be able to get out of the deal after a couple of years if, if need be yeah i mean i think giving him a 35 40 million well not 40 but 35 to 38 million over the next two seasons 
um, perhaps, you know, with a signing bonus that they can amortize over the course of the next five years and some other kind of upfront money and then maybe some back end incentives to, um, to extend that. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, what else are you going to do? Going to go get De- uh, Ritter? Yeah. I mean, could go get Justin, try to get Justin Fields. You could go try to talk Kirk Cousins into coming down to some nice warm weather. I don't know. No, it'd be good down there. There's no vaccines in Tampa Bay or anything. It'll be great for Kirk Cousins. Options are obviously limited, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think Kirk Cousins is the only like unrestricted free agent that's hitting the market that a, a quarterback that has any real value this season. There are, like you said, some opportunities with um, Russell Wilson, who to me, you have you have Russell Wilson in the building already. You might as well keep him. He knows your system. He played well for you. You might as well pay Baker Mayfield. You're going to get the same production as you would from from Russell. Um you, you can bring in Justin Fields. I think obviously that's a step up. I think uh, Justin's probably a high, a low tier three, high tier four player right now. Um, so, you know, that, you that can, Buccaneers, it, that Buccaneers, but you, but all you're doing is improving incrementally, right? You're not changing your outlook too much. True. In my opinion. I, I agree. Um, the other thing, you know, that, Mike Evans is a free agent after this year also. I think he signs. You think he comes back? I think he comes back. I think they're going to do him right. Interesting twist. Cause it seems like, but the problem, well, yeah, there was a little bit of stuff, but I think, I think, I think he's coming back. I honestly do. Um, I also think the rest of that team is super old um, and they're going to have a lot of problems fielding a team. It's going to, they're going to be super young. um, And I don't know. They need. They're going to need to retain Godwin, and they're going to need to retain Young. They're going to ha- or not Young Evans, and they're going to have to find some offensive linemen. I mean, there's going to be a lot of turnover on that Tampa Bay team. So uh, I don't think they're going to make it past this round. But this is kind of their last gas, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Anything else on that game? Tampa or otherwise. All right. That's everything. Well, let's look forward a little bit at the divisional round. Uh, Four games. We have Houston at Baltimore. So that's number four versus number one. Um, We have Kansas City at Buffalo. So number two and number three or three versus two. Um, We have Green Bay at San Francisco. That's seven versus one. And then Tampa, Detroit, uh, four versus uh, three. Um, so decent games. Uh, I actually put some money on these games. So let's talk about, uh, we'll go in order of the games as they're being played this week. So Houston at Baltimore, currently Baltimore's the favorite minus eight and a half. I took that with the points. What, what's your take on this game? Yeah, I am. I am also betting on Baltimore. I thought we were just doing money lines for all of these. So. Um, obviously the money line payout on that's probably minuscule, but, uh, I mean, I just feel like Baltimore is a juggernaut right now. I feel like their defense is playing out of their minds. I feel like 
Lamar Jackson and the offense are playing great. Um, I just saw Mark Andrews has been cleared to return to practice at least. Um, and you get him back with uh, Isaiah Likely and who has been breaking out lately. That's a hell of a tight end combo. Um, Zay Flowers is looking great. Odell Beckham Jr. makes an appearance once in a while. Um, I just feel like that that Rashad Bateman Baltimore offense is pretty, and with no running, I mean, no real, real, uh, you know, big name running backs on that team either. It's uh, it's interesting. I know they did pick up Dalvin Cook uh, right before they they cut Melvin Melvin Gordon today. So they picked up Dalvin Cook though, and they're probably going to have him on the roster, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I think this young Houston team is about to run into a buzzsaw, especially being in Baltimore, uh, the game, and yeah, it's it's going to be fun though. I mean, I, I think you know maybe they they're they're so young they don't know what what they're what they're in for, and they they come out <laughs> ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> come out throwing hands and see where they can go, but. Yeah, I'm taking Baltimore um, and giving the points or whatever. I mean, I guess I'm just I'm just betting money line or just betting straight up. So I'll take Baltimore. Awesome. Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think Baltimore. We mentioned throughout the the season, um, Baltimore to me looked like the best team out there. Because no matter what happened, who was injured, the next man up mentality, it really seemed like this team didn't really have to, didn't skip a beat when they had to bring in a backup running back or when they had to bring in Gino, uh, what is that, the, the, the second, the safety that came in um, and just ended up tying <laughs> the interceptions uh, for the league just out of nowhere. So, like, they have depth and they, hey, I don't know. Is there something about Baltimore coaches that are just like we know how to teach these guys the system and they're executing on that? We we got smart guys in there. It's hard to overlook that that team mentality. I think the one thing, if Houston can figure this out, and I'm looking at their depth chart right now, and I'm not really that impressed, is the running game. Can they run against this Baltimore defense? It's the only way that you can do that. You got to bring those safeties into the box man and if you can't do that i don't think there's any chance that they can win even with the heroics of cj stroud over the last you know half of this season um i think that's so, the achilles heel for that houston offense all year this is the running game. the running game yeah it's so important i think the defense could probably stay with some of these receivers and always the X factor with Baltimore is uh, Lamar Jackson's ability to run. So when there's nothing downfield and they're completely covered and they're bringing pressure on the outside, there's always that step up. And then who knows, 15 yards, 20 yards. That's the one thing I would play contain as much as I could and make them stand in the pocket and not move around. Um, a lot of teams don't seem to do that too much. Maybe it's hard. Uh, more difficult uh, to do than, than I'm making it sound. Um, so if, if Houston defense can contain him in the pocket, they can cover for long periods of time downfield and kind of collapse that and get to, to Lamar. I think they have a chance and they got to run the ball. I think if they can do those things, they, they can win in this game. Um, but me taking eight and a half points 
uh, for Baltimore, that pretty much to me says I don't believe in their chances. Yeah. I think it's going to be a, a 10 point or more win uh, by Baltimore. They're just too good. All right. Green Bay and San Francisco. Um, I took San Francisco minus nine and a half. I know that was a bit of a reach. I just don't think that Green Bay is uh, good as they looked against Dallas. I don't think they're going to have the same opportunity against the San Francisco defense. San Francisco is much better. They play against that style defense all year. Uh, they know how to do it. Uh, Shanahan plays really well against his former um, coaches. Uh, I just, they're, they're a week fresh coming off what, you know, we would call a bye. So they've had time to prepare. Their people are refreshed and rested. Um, I expect them to come out those first 16 or so plays on offense and just kind of like blow the doors off of this young uh, Green Bay team. They made it past um, middle school with the win against Dallas. Now it's now it's time to 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 be in that next level, or maybe high school, and then college is the better uh, analogy. But it's just like this is the next level of education this Green Bay team's about to get, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I chose San Francisco to win the game again. I thought we were just doing money lines, so I just picked you want to keep saying that. Yeah. Well, I I pivoted because I mean you weren't putting the odds and collecting, you know, doing all the things too. So I was just like, I'm going to play with it a little bit and see if I can find some value. Yeah. So I just fine. like, I'm just trying to make my money back, bro. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm already ready to lose. So I, I know I lost. <laughs> um, anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine San Francisco is probably going to blow Green Bay out. Would I give anything for Green Bay to win this game and have it be a Green Bay, Tampa Bay, or Green Bay, Detroit, uh, NFC? The Bay of Pigs. Oh my goodness! In the uh, in in the uh, NFC or in the Super Bowl from the NFC, that would be amazing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I imagine San Francisco is probably just going to run over this defense, and that San Francisco defense is unbelievable, and probably just going to shut down Jordan Love and. Aaron Jones and that Green Bay uh, offensive attack. So, um, I mean, I don't even know. There's not much more to say. It's, it will, we'll, I guess we'll see what happens. But um, not expecting, not expecting much from Green Bay. Gonna be fun nonetheless. I mean, yeah. they 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 surprised me last week. Let's see if they can surprise me again. I'll be watching for sure. Yeah. All right, uh, third game on the docket: Tampa Bay at Detroit. I took Detroit minus six. I think this is easy money. Um, I think Detroit's offense is going to be faster and younger and more dynamic than this old Tampa Bay defense. They have a couple of highlights there. Uh, it was it Vita 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 Vea Vita Vea did looked amazing in that Eagles game. He was all over the place. Um, they so have a better off shut down the tush push. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and we're talking like both of the Philly offensive line and the Detroit offensive line have been at the top of the NFL um, throughout the year. So I think it's at least 
Tampa will know what to expect from a good offensive line. Um, but I, I just think they're going to be too dynamic. I will say, like I mentioned before, if they can get some pressure on Jared Goff, his efficiency significantly drops. Uh, and that offense looks pretty bad when it's bad. And uh, Tampa, maybe older players, a little bit more sa savvy, a little bit better at disguising coverages, a little bit better at stunts and blitzes, just because they understand things better. They can see things a little better, maybe cause a couple of turnovers. And then it then you kind of change the math on the game. Um, I don't expect I don't I don't expect Tampa Bay's offense to be so like dynamic that it's going to confuse Detroit's defense. I think they played very, very well. Detroit's defense last last week. Um, I think we mentioned uh, they were over uh, like oh, two for six in the red zone or something last uh, last week against or this week against um, uh, the Rams. Uh, 0 for 3 in the red zone. So the two touchdowns that the Rams had were outside of the red zone, but 0 for 3. So when you get in that, when things get compressed, it's really difficult to score on this Detroit team. If they can minimize those big plays, I think they win this game. Um, yeah, I took Detroit um, in this game. I think that – I don't know that I – would you say the spread was six points? Minus six, yeah. Minus, I don't, yeah, that, that feels too big to me, but – um, I think Tampa Bay is going to score. I think I think they'll keep it close for most of the game, but I do think that Detroit will end up uh, you know, taking care of business at the end. Uh, it's just there's too many emotions. There's good, the hype in that or in that stadium is going to be you know off the charts. I did see that uh, somebody asked, um, "What's the name of the Tampa Bay head coach again?" Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. They asked him. Uh, how Tampa Bay was going to be able to deal with the cold weather in Detroit this weekend. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was I, less, I he was, yeah, he was less than amused. Um, so well, I will say, if you think the minus six is bad, it looks like money's going down on Detroit. Cause that's up to minus six and a half at this oh, point. Wow. So wow. they added the hook there. So we'll see. That'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm rooting for Detroit. I really like them. I do like the Baker Mayfield story as well, but I think uh, that all comes to an end this weekend. Hopefully he plays well anyway, but um, yeah, it should be a good guy. I'm, I'm expecting this to be a really good game. All right. Uh, last game, Kansas City at Buffalo. Um, we got Buffalo minus two and a half. I didn't like that. I took Kansas City. Uh, as uh, the Kansas City money line because uh, it had some plus odds, plus 124. So I jumped on that. I think Kansas City right now with that defense and the way Mahomes is playing, just need a couple more players to make some plays. Running game looks good. Uh, they showed that they could play in the cold weather. Uh, this is Mahomes' first road game in the playoffs, so that might be something. But I look at Buffalo and that roster and how injured they are and how – up and down they are, uh, game to game, play to play. And I just, I like the stability that Kansas City offers, that Pat Mahomes in particular, and that Kansas City defense offer. Yeah, I am taking Kansas City also. Um, I just feel, like you said, that the injuries on Buffalo, um, the 
the chance of, of YOLO Josh Allen showing up. It's going to be cold weather. I did I did check. It said it's going to be about 22 degrees, but it looks like it's going to be sunny on Sunday. So at least we won't be dealing with with uh, snow as crazy as it's been there uh, weather wise the last few days. Um, but let's not let's not also sleep on the fact that these guys have rhythms like flights when you leave, when you come in and there's supposed to be a cold front coming in, potentially delaying flights in and out. Pittsburgh flew in like the evening before, right? And it was just like they don't have that time to acclimate to where they're at. Now, Pittsburgh to Buffalo isn't like you're flying to India or anything. It's not that far. But but still, you get, you're get you a creature of habit. You get in your rhythms. You need to get to the hotel. You need to do your walkthroughs. You need to do all these things. And when you're in this compressed time frame, sometimes that throws people off. Yeah, I also like the fact that Kansas City's had will have two extra days of rest over Buffalo as well uh, going into this one. Um, which That's important for big, sure for health, yeah. A big role. And it's crazy because you get a high ankle sprain one game and then the guy's practicing three days later with that. And you're like, how is Joe Burrow still standing up yet he's he's out there playing quarterback? So those two days are so important to – getting players up to with modern technology getting them up to the point where they can play so you're right you nailed it i think that extra two days is important yeah all right man um is that all it on those games for you yep that's it that's all i got jeremy's question of the week yeah so my question of the week mike what is baker mayfield all right I took an opportunity. We've talked a lot about what we think about Baker Mayfield is and, you know, as it relates to the game we just watched and kind of what his prospects are for next week and and moving forward, what we would pay him and everything. So I decided to kind of look at, I put some quarterbacks in some tiers. Uh, Last year, tier one, I had just Patrick Mahomes. I've added Lamar Jackson to to tier one because of his athleticism and his ability to both run and throw the football. He's been amazing this year so i think we got to give him his flowers and i added him to tier one tier two i have joe burrow justin herbert cj stroud and josh allen that's like the guys are just right there uh but not up to the up to that tier one all right this is where it kind of gets a little blurry some of these i like trevor lawrence for example i have him in tier three i think i have him a little higher than most after this season so I don't know if this is, I tried to get it in order as best as I could, but I, I, I mean, I, I'm not like solid with it. So tier three, Dak Prescott, Trevor Lawrence, Jordan Love, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murley, Murray, and uh, Brock Purdy. I threw Brock Purdy in there because of his collective success over the season. It's hard to ignore. I think he's deserved and done enough to at least get him into that tier three range because of the success of his team and the success of his offense uh, that he's running. So uh, any oh, no, issues there? No Jared Goff in that. You got him in the next one. I have Jared Goff in tier four. So like I said, I think I would take Trevor Lawrence over a lot of these people, maybe not Jordan Love now that I'm thinking about it, but I would take him over Matthew Stafford because of his youth. I'd take him over Kyler Murray because of his measurables. I'd take him over Brock Purdy because I think he's more athletic. I take him over Jalen Hurts again because of Jalen Hurts' um, uh, uh, weaknesses. I, I 
take them over. So now we're moving into tier four. So Jalen Hurts, Geno Smith, Justin Fields, Baker Mayfield. And then I go Jared Goff to uh, to round off that top four, that top four tiers. Now I kind of put them in order. Jalen Hurts over the last two years, there has been some consistency, although the last few games not so much. Geno to me is really hot and cold. Uh, can get the ball out fast, which would be good in let's say a Mike McDaniel offense. He he can get the ball downfield. He has a very he has a strong arm. He's a relatively accurate arm. I just worry about his sensory perception. The things happening around him, he doesn't really seem to see, and uh, gets blindsided quite a bit. So I worry about that from any quarterback. Justin Fields, I think just the athleticism, he's better than Baker. Um, stronger arm, um, probably just as accurate, better runner does have that sensory perception where he can see things happening around him without even looking at it. Uh, Baker, he, I got, he's right after Justin and before Jared, he's good. Um, we've seen a panic. I mean, you see him when he got, when he has people around him, how he just kind of holds the ball or ducks down and just gives it up. Um, and so where, where does that rank Baker? Like I didn't pay attention to exactly how many people were ahead of him. Six, eight, and 12, 14. I have him the 16th best. 16th best. So middle of the road. Like on the button. Yeah. He's the new line of demarcation. I do not disagree with that at all. Are you above or below the Baker Mayfield line? Yeah. I think he's, I think it's, that's probably the perfect setting. All right, Mike, uh, moving on to take corner then. Do you have anything this week? I got one. I got one as well. Why don't you go first? Are are Bama's quarterbacks the new Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL? So Alabama quarterbacks are Tua, um, Mac Jones, Bryce Young, and, uh, geez, one more, her. Hurts. So like all of these quarterbacks that are like not doing too well right now. And that was the thing with Ohio state quarterbacks is that they would be amazing in college and they get to the NFL and just were not able to maintain that level of success. Are we seeing that with Bama quarterbacks now? I mean, I think before this crop of Alabama quarterbacks, they were pretty lousy too, right? Like they, I mean, they're yeah, having, that's a good point. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, they're they're really. It looked like they had something big happening, you know. Like all of a sudden, it was like, holy shit! You know, Mac Jones is is tearing it up, and and Jalen Hurts is tearing it up, and two is tearing it. Up. And now it's like, geez, man, these guys are maybe they're not who we thought they were. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. It, it's maybe. And now you got C.J. Stroud going lights out down in Houston, Bonkers, yeah. Ohio State. Because I remember, I think I asked you about uh, if 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 C.J. Stroud fell to the Seahawks, should they draft him last year? And you were just like, no, he's an Ohio State quarterback. Like, we're <laughs> leading up to it. And I was like, all right. Okay. Boy, guess. was I wrong. <laughs> well, it's like, I mean. I probably, it, I, I probably said it in chess, though. It's got to be individuals. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I get at those schools, you're, 
you're throwing to NFL cal- you have an NFL caliber offensive line, you have an NFL caliber, you know, receivers, running back, everything else. Um, well, you're also so much better than the competition that you're playing. So those windows right. are bigger. So it's really hard to get a sense. You right. almost want to look at how the guy looks. Oh, they also said he wasn't very mobile until he played that Georgia game. So there's all of these things that he was not asked to do in that institution and that he is now showing that he can do. So that's the thing you really need to look out for. What What is the upside? How are they able to manage the game? How are they able to progress season to season, play to play? How do they respond to adversity? Like those are things that are important to look at. Like after he throws an interception, what happens right after that? It was like that movie draft day, like right after uh, it was uh, Mac was telling like that quarterback from Ohio State, watch what he happened after I sacked him. Watch what he had. Watch what happened. He just got scared, the quarterback. And it's just like, all right, we can't draft this guy. Yeah. So those things are important. Once you can see it, you can't unsee it. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, man. So. I can't wait to see how kind of some of these guys progress. I mean, I think Mac Jones is more or less done, but I want to see what Jalen Hurts and what Tua are able to kind of come back and do over the next couple of years. Um, You know, especially now that Hurts got paid and Tua's next up. So Mac Jones is going to be selling insurance at his father's firm in a year and a half. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. Perfect job for him. He might. might, All right. What was. you might end up with a few years as a backup before playing. Oof. Not with the floppy sleeves, man. All right. Anyways, what, what's your, uh, what's your take corner? Okay. So I just wanted to rank the futures of the, I guess, call them the elite eight NFL teams. Um, okay. And I was going to rank them one through eight, but I, I feel like all of them have high upside moving forward, except for Tampa Bay. It's just like what level they're at. Like, so I feel like Baltimore, San Francisco, Buffalo, and Kansas City are all built to win right now. Like, if any of those four teams won the Super Bowl this year, I don't think I would be completely shocked. Okay. Um, the next tier then is Green Bay, Houston, and Detroit. And I think they're all on an upward trajectory. Young teams. I mean, I guess young quarterbacks with the exception of Jared Goff, uh, young skill position players, young defenses, young head coaches in in uh, all but but Detroit's case um, for the, I guess Detroit maybe there. I don't know how uh, how old Dan Campbell is compared to Matt Lafleur. I guess they're both kind of young-ish. Um, but then in Tampa Bay, obviously has a ton of veterans and that aren't, aren't under contract for long-term have Baker Mayfield as your quarterback, who's a free agent after the year. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I have a tendency to agree. I will say that most of these teams look like they have a program in place, whether, you know, they have an idea of who they want to be. They have an idea of what type of people they want to draft. And they will have an idea of what kind of, you know, football team they want to run, whether that's what kind of offense, what kind of defense. And they pretty much are able to find components and teachers to teach that piece. I would say Baltimore's right there year to year. They've been successful. 
They've been able to re-up that defense over and over again. Um, they have the stalwart um, quarterback, one that can hold it down while they play with pieces on the offense as receivers leave and new receivers come in. He's there. Um, I say would say the same thing for Kansas City. Really strong defense right now. Um, Pat Mahomes, to me, is always – I mean, if you have him, you have a chance, in my opinion. And this is the year that's going to prove that, I think, because his skill players have been horrible, specifically on the wide receiver side. Uh, Kelsey's regressing, and they're still in the divisional round of the playoffs. So I think those two teams, I like, they're good. San Francisco, same thing, different reasons. I don't have a lot of faith in Brock Purdy as a player, but I believe in the system that Mike Shanahan has. And I know that I, I believe that he knows who he wants to be in that position. And if he could get somehow a Matthew Stafford type, somebody that is cerebral, has the amazing arm, like the no looks, like all of the all of the the throws and all of the different trajectories, I think that team's going to take off. So to your point, those are your top three, right? You said Baltimore, San Francisco, and Kansas City. And Buffalo I had in there as well. Buffalo I'm a little bit more concerned about. Um, they brought a lot of players in that didn't seem – they spent a lot of money on like uh, Von Miller and stuff like that, and um, it just didn't hit right. Right. Um, their safeties are good but old. I think they're going to have to revamp their defense soon. We'll see if that program holds tight. But there's still like some word on the street. Well, will they keep their head coach? Like who knows? They got them this far. I think six and one in the last run of the of the season, and it just they're doing everything they can do. But I, you know, I feel less confident about that program. Tampa Bay, I think they're just old. I think they have a lot of work to do over the next two years. I probably put them at the bottom. So I'm going bottom up. It's probably Tampa, Buffalo. Yeah, I could see Buffalo trending down, I guess. I, that's why I was like figuring, but I could see them winning the championship this year too. So it's it, like, Exactly. Yeah. I'd see Green Bay next because they're so young. Yeah. I just don't know where they're going to go. Houston, um I just like their outlook a little bit better. Hmm. Um I think I really have appreciated who they have in the front in the, in the front office making the decisions on personnel and bringing those guys in and what that coaching staff is doing to devise a game plan and getting, getting them uh, taught up. There's that, uh, there's a, there's a clip on, on Twitter where um, uh, the head coach is uh, talking to that uh, linebacker that picked off the second interception um, of Flacco, where he kind of like stood there in the middle and then stepped in front and ran it back. He basically told him like verbatim what to do, saw it, taught him, educated him, hyped him like the whole thing. We just saw it in real time. What it's like to be smarter than the guy on the other side of the field. So I really appreciate that. This is where it gets a little, these last, I think Detroit's next. Um, Need to improve that defense substantially, I think. Um, and then um, probably San Francisco, because I don't know what kind of quarterback they're going to have. Uh, Baltimore, and I put Kansas City at the top because yeah. of Pat Mahomes. All right. Cool. All right. Moving on. Diversity. I, I, 
did not have any diversity. The, this week has been a shit show for me. Um, for my fandom uh, of the Washington. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. It's fine. You're yeah. okay. You need time to heal. Unbelievable, man. It, it's un. I mean, I have it in my ugly, but unfathomable that what nine days eight days ago the washington huskies were playing for the national championship and now the team is just in shambles it's all blown up yeah let's talk about it in ugly for sure that's something that needs to be addressed there for sure my first diversity item was i just kind of read this text and it and it or text tweet i guess and it kind of like hit me like wow this is an interesting kind of under the radar thing Amazon has acquired a minority stake in the Diamond Sports Group. Uh, it's a regional sports network uh, that filed for bankruptcy. And it, it put like 37 teams across the NBA, the NHL, the media rights uh, for these 37 teams, NBA, NHL, MLB, in jeopardy. Basically, if it's bankrupt, who's going to cover the games, right? So they go in, they buy this minority stake. And now they can, these customers can watch these games on Amazon Prime. Now, at the surface, it looks great, right? I can watch it on Amazon. But it seems like, are we still going to have regional uh, ability to watch regional games? I remember back in the day when you could watch like the Sonics on like Channel 7 or right. whatever. And, and you could just Utah has something. They show it on their local station. They just started doing that this year. Yeah, and we're seem to moving away from that, putting things on exclusively Peacock or exclusively Amazon Prime, and we're going to start to lose that regional field that a lot of these teams, especially baseball and college football, really kind of um, kind of feed off of. Now, I'm not a proponent either way at this point. I think it's an interesting thing for us to flag as kind of like what you might call the beginning of the end of regional sports coverage. Um, and it may not be, who knows, but it just seems a little like Amazon's making an aggressive push to get themselves into sports so that they can sell more products to people. Um, they're not in it for fandom. They're in it to make money in other ways and they will outspend everyone to get it. Um, and I think ultimately the fans are the ones that suffer in these scenarios. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know, farmer Bob with rabbit ears who wants to watch, you know, uh, a Milwaukee game or something like that is really going to like, what's Amazon prime, like kind of, I like he may not have all of this stuff. So, I mean, he doesn't get to watch, you know, baseball anymore. I guess we don't care about, you know, no, that part nobody of, cared, nobody cared. <laughs> care about that part of the contingency anyway. But yeah, right. it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, man. Cause I know that the Seattle Mariners who are, who own root sports have a similar situation. I think they were paired with Warner, um, time Warner, uh, to produce the, the 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 root sports network they were i think 50 50 partners in it and warrant time warner backed out and said they're not going to be in the regional sports business anymore so now seattle's basically having to make a decision or the mariners are having to make a decision between are we going to start 
figuring out like learn how to pr pr run a, a television network or are we gonna just pair up with i think major league baseball uh took over a lot of these these regional sports networks over the last couple of years after um i forget what you said that parent company was called but um when they kind of went under mlb had to wrap in a lot of those i think nba tv had to wrap in a lot of those um bring them in so that the, the games could continue being produced so um it's going to be interesting regional, regional networks the only way they make their money really is advertising and if you don't get enough eyeballs on it with the with the production costs you know for these the coverage and the carrying costs of having talent on on hand uh, like throw t-shirts into crowds and stuff like that it's just like they're it's an expensive thing to do clearly. Um, and Amazon has the money to like take it over. Look, Hey, we saw these newspaper, uh, these newspapers go down left and right and consolidate into like wall street journal becomes Fox and like all of these other magazines, they start to consolidate, start, start seeing less of, of the newspapers, the locals, and you start having to get your stuff online and it just seems like that's where we're moving here um it's just like you remember in this country when we made things it's like that whole kind of mentality yeah first amazon takes our regional sports then skynet decides to launch nuclear weapons at russia and to solicit a response that's what we're going to have to deal with that's our future god bless us all all right, my last one, final episode of Hard Knocks. It was what it was. I think there's only one thing I want to talk about. There was the absolute best four minutes ever in a Hard Knock episode from the beginning of time. It was a four-minute montage, four or five-minute montage of In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. And they started it by having they faded in from uh melvin ingram having dinner with a buddy into this car driving into tropicana field or whatever it is right hard rock field i guess now and the reflection and street lights and it was Music. almost Fantastic. yeah and it was pulled it was pulled from miami vice episode one brothers keeper when oh. rocket and tubs and the black Ferrari were driving down the street. And yeah. And I just like, I was like, I went back and watched a second time. It is some of the best editing that I've ever seen in these shows. It hit me emotionally. I even went back and watched the scene, the four minute scene in Miami vice, just to kind of see how it blends together. It was so good. I loved it. I might, go back and watch it again over and over again it just i don't know it was it was a really really good scene i think emmys are should be given out to anyone involved with that editing um no, that was it was fantastic that was that was incredible uh, i just wanted to tell you uh breaking news so i guess it was two hours ago but we've been going for almost two hours that uh adam schefter is reporting that dallas will not make a head coaching change this year and mike mccarthy will be Shocking. back in 2020. Good. Awesome. They'll go, Great. they'll you go, uh, <laughs> they'll go 12 and they'll go, 
they'll go twelve and five and lose in the playoffs. Is he Love is he maybe it. the is he one of the best regular season head coaches in football history? Uh, uh, I'll I'll put him up there. I guess I don't know without really having yeah, wins and law. I mean, he's he's won probably eleven or twelve games ten times. Yeah, I mean, he has a Super Bowl though, and he does have a Super Bowl. Yeah. All right, man. So you ready to go to herding goats? Let's do it. All right, good. Jalen Rose and Chris Weber have seemed to reconcile. They reunited at the University of Michigan game. The Fab Five were all there. Uh, they got a standing ovation. It's the first time that they were together since the playing days. It does look like both Jalen Rose and the University of Michigan have reconciled and began to, to re- uh, recognize Chris Weber. So I thought that was fantastic. It took me back. A little tear of joy came down. And uh, I was really happy to see it. No, that was great. I did see that as well. One of my favorite, that that Fab Five team and the uh, UNLV team with Larry Johnson uh, was where those are my 89 through 91. Yeah. Back to back championships. uh, With with, uh, yeah. Jerry Tarkanian as a head coach. Those are my two favorite uh, college basketball. And they really like bled into each other. Right. Yeah, I mean, definitely the the running rebels definitely inspired the Fab Five, I would say. And it really introduced Duke as the um, as the the evil villain, yeah, (laughs) evil white oppressor. (laughs) All right, so my good, I like people that shake shit up, like that kind of Uh fuck the system a little bit, um. Last week, you so the best thing I saw this weekend. You last week, last week, you went on a bit of a rant about Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel. Um, and how it sure seemed like ESPN told Pat McAfee you're not having Aaron Rodgers on your show anymore. And I didn't see it, I don't watch the show. Um, you good, Pat McAfee. I don't believe that. Thing. I don't, I trust me, man. I'm doing other stuff at 9 a.m. every day. But uh, I just see clips on Twitter from time to time, but um, or on YouTube. But anyway, I see uh, it probably wasn't until Friday or Saturday. Um, but I see that uh, Pat McAfee the very next day has Aaron Rodgers back on the show uh, after saying that he wouldn't be on again this season. And I just I like it, man. I like it. ESPN. They. They needed this guy. They wanted this guy. He's the number one. Got the number one sports show. I don't know if they needed it. They think they needed it. Well, but he's got the he's number a joke. one sports show in the country before he's before a, ESPN. But he's a joke. It uh, I mean, it is what it is, man. He's got the number one sports show in the country. But he, yeah, bro, we're number one, bro. Okay. Anyway, it just reminds me of uh. My, I was a huge Arsenio Hall fan back in the 90s, and Arsenio Hall was told by Fox that you're not having Louis Farrakhan on your show. He had the number one show in the country and wanted to have Louis Farrakhan on. The corporate executive said no. He had him on anyway, and that was his last show. 
and uh it just it's reminds me a similar situation like they're they're definitely going back and forth and i'm anxious to see how this all ends hopefully with him not being on the radio anymore why would you want him off the radio uh, he's not on the radio anyway he's on well you know what i mean Pot, he's potting on television you want to show off of youtube or what i mean you're just off of espn that's a good point just maybe he just dies and I don't have to listen to him. You don't have to listen to him anyway, man. Jesus Christ. I don't. I don't. Okay, let's move to the bad. You want to go first? NFC no. East. Okay. The NFC East. It's the only division in football that's been completely eliminated from the playoffs. And it's been a rough go for them this year. This year, And um, this, this last week kind of surplanted with two upsets you know, just based on the Vegas odds, two upsets, uh, two upset losses this week. Um, so not not good job by them. Horrible job by them. Uh, my bad is Cocaine Jim Ursay, living up to his name. Um, it was reported in mid-December that he had come down with a, or maybe late December that he had come down with a, some kind of inf- breathing infection i don't know what exactly they the the terminology they use they said he was very sick um, and had to be rushed to the hospital apparently they found him unconscious in his bedroom and had to administer narcan and uh that which is the the drug they can use to kind of get you breathing again if you've taken too many opioids or whatever the case may be um and yeah yeah i don't they haven't he hasn't spoken since uh, or made any public appearances since this happened. Um, I don't know, man, the guy is definitely got a drug problem. And, you know, we joke about it on this show quite a bit, but um, definitely wishing him well, like hopefully he can get, get this thing under control. Hopefully he doesn't have any serious complications from it. Um, it's kind of an ugly situation. Maybe win-win in a lot of ways like we don't have to like listen to him anymore because he's kind of regressed into his space and then he can get the help that he needs you know aside from that yeah we need less owners let's hear from less owners true all right man ugly pete carroll weird stuff around his departure like the whole like he's going to be an advisor and now he's out there in the in the in the blogs talking about like people in the front office are not quote unquote football people and that's why they fired me and all this other stuff and just kind of not exiting with grace it becomes a little it starts to feel weird for me yeah that was strange but i told you man he i don't think he wanted to quit i mean i think he was fired oh it's clear it's clear that you were right on both of those notes and I thought they were transitioning him. It doesn't really feel like that's what's happening. Um, yeah, but to me, it just looks like, hey, I'm gone, but now I'm going to like say all this like really shitty stuff as I leave. And it's just not a good look, honestly. Yeah. I think grace is the way to go and, and all that kind of other stuff. Like, hey, it was a great run. We had a great, and I, you know, I appreciate everything that the, the, the Allen family has has done for me and you know my family and you know 
I, I wouldn't change anything. That kind of like language just to kind of like move it on. Hey, if you if you're going to like go to Boca Raton and not ever, you know, be a football coach again, then hey, drop bombs everywhere. It doesn't matter. But I just it's like weird that he's on one hand out there saying I didn't want to be fired and I want another job. And the other hand going like, here's all the shitty things that happened to me. Yeah. It's kind of like it's it's strange, man. I know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I just, I don't see somebody giving a 72-year-old head coach another shot, so maybe he feels like he wanted one more go at it before he walked away, and he's just pissed off that he didn't get it, or I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, any number of reasons. Like, he he felt like he had more years left, Not a, probably not a lot. Um, he's like, man, I just want to do this for probably one or two more years and, and get to X time. And this is when I'm, my plan is. And, um, unfortunately it didn't work out like he had planned. And, and, it, and the way it happened was, you know, him not being able to leave under his terms, you know, that's always kind of a bit of a, you know, if you're, if you're that kind of guy, it's, it's a difficult for your, um, for your ego, um, these guys all have egos. I don't see a lot with Pete Carroll. I don't think it's destructive in any way from what I've seen, but you know, it's hard to to play that sport, to coach that sport, to be involved in that sport for that long and not have a little bit of a little twinge when, when things like this happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, what, what do the coaches say when they have to say no to the player? It's, it's just, I mean, it's just business, man. You know, you, you did well, you did everything you could in training cap, but you know, it's just, just business. And that's all it is, Pete. It's just business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, my ugly Mike is just the college football situation. So my, like, I don't know, my happiness was like so high when we recorded this podcast last week, because I was thrilled that the Seattle Seahawks actually made the decision to fire Pete Carroll to move on from him. Feel like it was the right decision. Um, and a couple days earlier, the the Washington Huskies had lost. Like nine days ago today, the Washington Huskies lost the national championship. But it felt like that team was, you know, like I was talking to my brother when we were watching the game, and it's like, man, we we like we're back. Like this is the team you know it's like it's only up from here uh we're going to the big 10 we just made it you know made it to the we're the number two team in the country um went 14 and one it just it's all these things and then the day after we recorded this news starts breaking that this guy's not going to take the alabama because we had just found out the alabama uh, head coach nick saban had re- resigned uh, and we found out well Oregon coach is going to stay. He actually got a pay raise. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas is going to stay. He got a pay raise. They're not interested in, in uh, Lane Kiffin at uh, Ole Miss. Uh, he got a pay raise. They're, they're not interested in Dabo Swinney. He got a pay raise. Florida State head coach Mike Norvell got a pay raise. And then you hear the same guy represents all of these people, including Kalen DeBoer, the Washington Huskies head coach. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, uh Thursday they're reporting oh KJR is gonna have the the local Seattle radio station is gonna have Kalen DeBoer on at 8 a.m uh Friday and then so I wake up at 6 a.m Friday to to listen to the radio and 
they're like, oh, Kalen DeBoer canceled his interview with uh with our radio station this morning and then it just like speculation started ramping up and by about 11 a.m he had taken the alabama head coaching job so in what <laughs> less than four days time uh washington huskies had lost the national championship lost their head coach lost their entire offense, uh, 11 starters on offense, plus uh, the next two uh, snap leaders, their leaders in snaps played. Um, and they were already going to lose a bunch of guys anyway, just from, from people going to the NFL. But it, it's just, it feels crazy right now. And then we ended up hiring the, the University of Arizona head coach, Jed Fish, and yeah, I just, I don't even know. Like, my head is still spinning. All of this has happened in nine days. It's, crazy. it's college football now. It's, it's a shame, man. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what you do to fix it. I don't know if you can fix it. It's just, it is what it is, I guess. It's too late. It's too late. Yeah. Um, and I did want to, one other thing I wanted to point out, this uh, this episode last year was our last episode until um, after I was out of the hospital. Um, oh, shit, that's right. So, yeah, it's just uh, kind of a eerie reminder that, you know, like, life is short and, uh, you know, precious and, man, thank God, I just feel, feel great to be here even doing this podcast. Well, wow, how apropos, because my quote of the week is from uh, uh, Miami Vice, but also feeds right into what you're saying. So let's wrap your spiel up and I'll throw the quote of the week out there. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I'm just happy to be here, happy to be alive. Uh, it's hard to believe it's been a year. Um, and, so, and then what we, I don't think we ended up doing our our kind of season wrap up podcast until like late March. So um yeah it's quite a while yeah this is the last weekend you guys heard from us until late march but uh yeah we're back and and god willing we'll be doing this next week and uh knock on wood that we don't have any uh any other issues so there we go take it away mike man you gotta learn to go with the heat jeremy it's just like life you gotta keep telling yourself no matter how hot it gets sooner or later a cool breeze is coming in.